um, entitled this message, What Do You Need in 2016? What do you need in 2016? Well, if we go by the media, you will need a new kitchen, you will need a new phone, you will need a new body after you've used it over the, over the New Year's celebration. You need a holiday and you need loads of money. That is what you need in 2016 according to the media. And the question is, you know, what do you need according to the Word of God? That's the thing that we want to uh, find out about this morning. You know, many churches and many preachers will put up this verse on their, um, on their screens or in their, or in their um, pamphlets. Wonderful verse it is. And it says this, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Wonderful verse. And many churches will send their congregation out into the world saying, you know, you've got a great genie in the sky called God. All you need to do is ask God whatever you want. Just rub that genie, rub that man. Ask God what you want. Keep on knocking and God will give you whatever you want. And many people will go away this year and they will pray and they will Ask God for what they, what they want. But the question is, really, what does God want to give you? That must be the question. What does God want to give you? I mean, we have all these things in our heads that we might need, that we can't live without, and we go to God in prayer saying, I want, I want, I want. But the question must be asked, what does God want? And we have it in our Bible reading here. Let's just look at what God says he wants to give you. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven, here it is, how much more Will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Here we see the Lord Jesus Christ saying that God is interested in giving you something this morning. God is interested in giving you something that your prayer should always aim at. God is interested in giving you the Holy Spirit. And so your prayer in 2016 should be, oh God Almighty, will you fill me with your Spirit? Oh God Almighty, will you come by your Spirit and just take over my whole entire life? Take over my church. Take over my family. Spirit of the living God, will you fill me? That should be your prayer for 2016 because God wants to give you the Holy Spirit. Now, by God's grace, over the next few weeks and months, I'm going to, by, by his help, give you a, a, a balanced view of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus says about the Spirit, and this is a verse that we're going to 
hold on to throughout our message today. He says about the Holy Spirit, he will bring glory to me by taking from, he will be glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. So speaking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus says that the work of the third person of the Trinity is to take what belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ and to make it known to you personally, individually, as a church, to make it known to you. So when you cry out, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. When you cry out to God, Lord, take control of my life by your Spirit. You're asking God Almighty to begin to show you or to give you the things that belongs to Jesus Christ. And so three things that I want to say about that um, this morning. The first thing I want to talk about is your greatest need. Your greatest need. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I walk through the market, I see this man standing behind a counter and he's got this, all these chopped up pieces of fruit and vegetables all around him. And as he has all these chopped up pieces of fruit and vegetables, he's trying to sell this gadget, saying, you need this to chop up your fruit and your vegetables. And Every time I walk past him, there's no one really standing around there because nobody really needs what he's selling. But I did get caught out once. I was in Walthamstow. I was walking through. And there was this guy selling this revolutionary hoover. And I'd stop there and I was looking and he had, a, he had a bowling ball next to him and he had this hoover. Look how powerful this hoover is, he says. And he picks up the bowling ball. I thought, that's pretty impressive. So I bought one. It still doesn't work today. It's in my cupboard. And I thought I'd been done. Always buying things you don't really need. But the Holy Spirit's job is to show you your greatest need. You know, my brother, uh, he's a few years older than me, was diagnosed with a serious diabetic problem before Christmas. It was so serious that the doctor said that if he doesn't go straight away to the hospital, he can fall into a diabetic coma and may never wake up from it. Being a man, he turned around and said, well, I don't need to go to the doctors. But he said, no, go straight to the hospital. He went to the hospital and they said that within hours he could have been in a diabetic coma. He needed a professional to tell him that he was sick, that he was close to death. You know, the powerful work of the Spirit of God is to waken you up to your desperate need, to show you that you're standing at death's door. Any moment that door could open, any moment you can slip into a lost eternity, any moment you can find yourself standing in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit's work is to show you that you need the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, your sin, the Bible says, has separated you from God. 
And so often we turn around and we don't think about it. We carry on our lives and we think we're okay. But the Spirit of God will make the Word of God come alive to you. And look at what it says in Isaiah. But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And I want to tell you today, my, my friends, in this church, that the Spirit of God needs to and wants to come upon you in such a wonderful and powerful way to waken you up so that you may see your need this morning. No matter whoever you are, you could be a preacher like me at the front or sitting at the back of the church this morning. We all need to know that the sin that is in us separates us from the living God. Now I want to say that in this generation, in 2016, I want to say that our generation is fast asleep. Fast asleep. My wife tells me that when I sleep, the house can fall down around me and I still wouldn't wake up. In fact, I can sleep on a clothesline, she says to me. Dead to the world when I fall asleep. But the problem is, spiritually, this generation is asleep. What's going on in our society, what's going on in our churches, whether you're in church or out of church, we don't realize how much sin is in our world today. How much sin is in the church today. How much sin is separating men from God today. We don't even realize just how much wickedness is not only outside in the world today, but actually in the house of God. And it's the spirit of the living God that needs to come upon this church and to cry out, wake up, wake up, wake up. In 2016. Because God is not pleased. With the sin that dwells. In so much. Of the house of God. And in 2016. Jesus cries out. And he says. How much more. Will my father give the Holy Spirit. To those who ask him. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will begin to realize. Oh God almighty. I need the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't live without him. I can't come to you. Because there's a, a, a barrier. Sin is there within me. And Lord, I need that sin dealt with. And when you come to God in that way, then the Spirit of God has visited you. When you come with those words, then the Spirit of God has come upon you because he shows you your greatest need. And your greatest need to deal with the sin that is in your life. That's the first thing that I want to say. Um, but also, the second thing I want to say about your greatest need, I want to also look at your greatest friend. Your greatest friend. You know, Jesus has come to be the friend of sinners. That's what the Bible says. I've told you that your greatest need is that you've got sin in your life. There's sin in this world, wickedness. But I want to tell you that the Bible says that Jesus Christ has come to be the friend of sinners. Some people have said 
Well, I can't come to Christ because I've done so many bad things, so many wicked things. I cannot come to Christ. I prayed with a man this year, last year, shall I say. Last year, I prayed with a man who comes to our Thursday meeting, a young or a man who's been in prison for 20 years for armed robbery. That's how long he served, around about 20 years. I think it was a bit more than that for armed robbery. And this man was given a release date. And he said to the prison wardens, you know what, I don't want to be released, I'd rather stay in prison. Don't want to go outside, I want to stay here. But they sent him out anyway. He went from the prison to a friend over in Wickford. Because he knew that his friend in Wickford became a Christian. Or his relative in Wickford had become a Christian. He went and see him and saw the change in that man's life. That he himself gave his life to Christ. 20 years plus for armed robbery. And yet Jesus became a friend to that man. The spirit of God will show you. That Jesus is a friend to sinners. Do you know there's, there's good sinners and bad sinners? You know, the good sinners are the ones who say things like, you know, I love my family. I pay my taxes. I keep the law. I'm a good neighbor. I drive according to the speed limit. They're good people. They're not all in prison, you know, in armed robbery offenses. No, no, no. Most sinners are out of prison and they are obeying the law like everyone else. They're, they're good people. And yet the Bible says that they still are separated from God. They're sinners. Look what the Bible says. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him, that is Jesus, eating with the sinners and tax collectors... They asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, the work of the Holy Spirit is to show you this morning that Christ can come to you where you are. No matter how much you rejected him, no matter how far you've gone away from him, whether you classify yourself as a good sinner or whether you classify yourself as an evil, wicked sinner, whatever classification you give yourself, Christ, and the Spirit wants you to know, Christ is a friend of sinners. But not only is he a friend of sinners, the Holy Spirit wants you to know how much he loves sinners. I want to stop there because the love of Christ is absolutely amazing. When I was uh, in Sunday school, we just sing this Sunday school, the love, the Sunday school song um, as a child, and it went something like, like this, uh, um, Jesus' love is so wonderful. We just sing this song all the time. Didn't really know what we were singing. The actions were good, though. Jesus' love is so wonderful. Jesus' love is so wonderful. Jesus' love is so wonderful. Oh, wonderful love. So high, you can't go over it. So wide, you can't get round it. So low, you can't get under it. Oh, wonderful love. Just sing that song because the actions was great. But I want to tell you the theology in that song was wonderful. 
Because the love of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is indeed wonderful. That you cannot beat the love of Christ. In fact, Paul was so filled with that whole understanding of the love of Christ that he writes these words. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me tell you something, my dear friends. It will take the Holy Spirit to make you understand just how much God loves you. For the Holy Spirit's work is to take what is Christ and to make it known to you. And he loves you with a a great, wonderful joy. He loves you so much, the Bible says, that he will never leave you alone. Never leave you alone. The psalmist had a vision of that himself. He cries out, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. What a wonderful hope for 2016, hey? That the love of God is so great, so wonderful, he would not let you go. Now I want to tell you, It's the Holy Spirit that gives you understanding of that love. Not an intellectual understanding. But the Holy Spirit come upon you. When you cry out, oh God, fill me with your spirit. He will begin to fill you and give you an understanding that God loves you. No matter what you go through. No matter how difficult the path has been. No matter how much tears you have shed. How much agony you have gone through the word of God is true that he loves you despite your circumstances he has a love for you and to understand that you need the spirit of God because once the spirit of God comes upon you and you understand how much he loves you you will not just turn around and go on your own way doing your own thing once you understand that the spirit of God comes upon you and he loves you so much. You will not just turn around and say, well, I can take it or leave it. No, 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 no. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Before you loved me, I loved you. And he loves you with an everlasting love. The spirit of God is needed in you today. To help you understand and to appreciate just how much God loves you. Your greatest need. Your greatest friend. And finally, at the close of my message this morning. His greatest price. His greatest price. 
What is his greatest price? Well, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, when you cry out to him, Lord, fill me with your spirit, he will take what is Jesus and he will make it known to you. The thing that he will take that is Jesus and make it known to you is the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what he'll take. The blood of Jesus Christ. Let me explain that to you. You see, the Bible turns around and in Hebrew it says this. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, listen to this, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. No forgiveness. And you may say to me, hold on, do you mean that God will be against me if there's no shedding of blood? Yes, I mean that. God will be against you if there's no shedding of blood. Do you mean that God's anger will be against me? Yes, God's anger will be against you. Do you mean that heaven will be barred and closed from me? Yes, I mean that heaven will be barred and closed to you. Do you mean that the same judgment that the Satan had, the same judgment that Lucifer had, I will have the same judgment? Yes, you will. Because the blood needs to be spilled, needs to be shed, in order for there to be forgiveness. That being the case... I like what happens in Revelation. In Revelation, there's a, a time where John, the apostle, gets taken into glory and he sees a sight. Let me explain it to you. So stay with me. And with it, I close. Let me explain it to you. John's now looking into glory, looking to heaven. And he says, I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice. Who is worthy to break the seal and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. In other words, no one was able to do what God wanted them to do. So what did John do? The Bible says that John weeps. I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. No one was able. No one was found in heaven or on earth. No one was found. And John said he wept and he wept and he wept. But then someone spoke to him. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion, lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then John looks up. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. Another John, John the Baptist was baptizing people. And then he saw a figure come out from the distance. 
And as this man walks closer to him, he turns around and he touches his disciples that was around him and he looks at this man coming towards him. And he says, look, behold, he says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, John the Baptist and John the Apostle both saw the same thing. They saw the Lamb of God. And that Lamb of God shed his blood on the cross. Do you know why so many people don't understand the powerful meaning of the blood? It's because the Holy Spirit has not taken hold of their hearts and their lives. Because it's the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, my dear friends, that opens up a way for you to know the Almighty God. It's the shedding of the Lamb on the cross that opens up a way that heaven will be open to you. That forgiveness will be yours. That reconciliation with God will be again possible because of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Only the Holy Spirit can take what is Jesus's and make it known to you. That's why it's important It's vitally important that a church knows what it is to be filled with the Spirit of God. Nothing else matters. Anything outside the Spirit, anything outside the work of the Holy Spirit is of the flesh and is no good. But everything that is the Spirit of God is from heaven. And that's why you, in 2016, you don't need a new kitchen. You don't need a new body. You don't need a new iPhone contract. No, 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 no. What you need is to get before God Almighty, privately, on your own, and say to God, Lord God, if you don't give me what you want to give me, if you don't give me what you promised to give me, I'm lost. I'm barren. I'm broken. I'm empty. I need the filling of your spirit. Not just on a Sunday morning, but Lord, Monday morning right through to Saturday, I need the spirit of God upon me. And if you go out from this place with that cry upon your heart, you will start 2016. With God himself dwelling within you, changing you, transforming you, bringing you closer and closer to himself. That is what is needed. If I never put in preach the most important sermon in my life, this must be it. For the church is empty. You can shut the door, turn off the music, turn off the lights if the spirit of God does not reside in this place. The Spirit of God has anointed me to preach. I might as well be David Cameron. I need the Spirit of God to speak. You need the Spirit of God to live this Christian life. And if you haven't got him, then you're barren. If you haven't got him, then you're empty. If you haven't got him, 
then you're living the Christian life in your own strength and it will not be pleasing to God. Oh, my dear friends, he will take what is Jesus's and he will make it known to you. Won't you cry out with me, 2016, that this church will not be the same again? We don't want a church void of the Spirit of God. We don't want Christians coming in here, ticking their boxes, putting their card in, saying, I've done my Sunday morning business and I can live my life what I like throughout the... We don't want that. We want men and women who can't wait to get before God in prayer. Men and women who when they hear a cry that comes out that the Lord's people are gathering for prayer and worship want to be here on a Sunday morning, want to be here on a Wednesday night, want to be gathering in the midweek. Why? Because they want more of God. Well, even today you can look around and there's societies everywhere. You can find bowling societies, snooker clubs filled, fitness centres filled. Every other society seems to have people wanting to be there. But when you come to the church of Jesus Christ, the void of the Spirit, you have people really slow, not really wanting to be in prayer, not really wanting to be studying the Word of God, not really wanting to be gathering together. Well, why is that? Because the Spirit of God is Church, God is looking for people to rise up and to call upon him and to say, not in my strength, not in my physical ability, but in your strength, in your mighty power. How can you pray for the spirit of God? You pray right from here, from the deepness of your heart. Your cry comes out, Lord, God Almighty, fill me, fill me, fill me, oh God. Take control, take the old self. May the old man be dead and gone, but may you, oh God, be filled within me. Fill me every morning, fill me in the afternoon, fill me at night, oh God. Fill me, Father, with your spirit, I pray. And when a man or woman begins to pray that prayer, the old goes. And behold, God begins to create something new within you. Let's pray. Father, you're, I know, Father, I know you're tired of churches asking so much for themselves, the physical things that the world looks for. I know that you're tired, Lord, because people are crying out for what the world are crying out for. They're crying out for material things, oh God Almighty. I know, Lord, I know that you're upset, Lord, because no one seems to want what you want to give. No one seems to cry out for the thing that you want to pour out, Lord. Nobody wants what you have in abundance, They want, Lord, the gifts from your hand. But they don't want the giver himself. Oh, God, I come before you praying that even in this church, Lord, you will forgive us. Even forgive me, oh God Almighty, 
Forgive me, Lord God, for so much wanting the external things and leaving the spiritual things behind. Forgive this church, Father God, for being so concerned, Lord, so concerned about our material lives, even though you know that we need these things. And yet, Lord, our concern for the Spirit of God has been relegated to the lower regions, Lord. But this morning, as we repent, Lord, as we turn away from our greed, we turn afresh to you. And we thank you that you are a friend of sinners. We thank you that you have a love that is so powerful, so mighty, that embraces us even with our faults and our failings. We thank you that you're more ready to give than we are to receive. We thank you. And so we come this morning. Oh, Spirit of the living God, we pray that you will fall upon this church. Fall upon us individually. Make our lives to be a life consumed, led Filled, indwelt by your spirit. That you might have all the glory, oh God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.